We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 446 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at NFL. Today, we're going to be doing a special pregame edition of the podcast, breaking down everything Packers-Lions, and to help me do that, I've brought on a very special guest. My guest today is a writer for Pride of Detroit. This is his second full episode here on the Pack-A-Day podcast. He is the creator of the ever-popular Raz Score. He is a Navy veteran, a self-described math junkie. My guest is the one and only Kentley Platty. Kent, thank you so much for taking the time to join me and discuss Packers-Lions on this special preview edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Always a pleasure, man. Glad you'll have me. Yeah, anytime. It is always great. I always love talking draft stuff with you because you do such a fantastic job uh, breaking down some of the prospects and the draft scores and everything like that. Uh, But I also know that you are a uh, big Lions aficionado and, uh, again, a writer for Pride of Detroit. So this ended up being perfect, uh, being kind of the the Monday edition of the podcast before a Monday night game against the Detroit Lions, and I couldn't think of anyone better to possibly have on. Uh, So, again, I appreciate the time. I I think I want to start here, Ken with just kind of your uh, your basic kind of description of where the Lions are at so far. Of course, they're 2-1-1. and They have the tie against Arizona, wins against the Chargers and the Eagles, and then a tough loss against the Chiefs. How are Lions fans feeling? How are you feeling? Where are the Lions at just kind of in a, uh, you know, kind of a 101 of where the Lions are at at this point in the season? 
It's been a really funny season because, like, the Lions lost to or tied with the Cardinals, and you would have thought that they lost by 40 the way that fans were <laughs> reacting to that tie. It was, it was hilarious. And then they beat their next two opponents, both of which were tough, the Chargers and the Eagles, and fans were not confident at all. It seemed like everybody was still really down on the way that the Lions were playing. They felt like they were getting some lucky breaks or the, the teams that they were playing were shooting themselves in the foot. And there was some of, you know, there's always some of that. Teams make mistakes in games. You know, good teams take advantage of those mistakes. Um, and then we lost to the Chiefs, and it, it was a, the complete opposite. Everybody was excited. Everybody was confident for the way that the team played uh, and the way that the, the team looks going forward. But it's just been weird that everybody's mad when we won. Nobody knew, knew what to do when we tied, and then we lose, and everybody's excited and happy now. So uh, it's, it's an interesting season for the Lions so far. Yeah, a little bit of a bizarre world for Lions fans. You lose, you feel good. You win, you feel bad. You tie, you don't know how to feel. Uh, but I, it legitimately, in a way, feels like this Lions team was maybe a player two away from 4-0. Uh, they easily could have beat Arizona, probably should have beat Arizona. A little bit of a, a kind of collapse at the end of that game, although give credit to uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals in the fourth quarter. They played really good football. And then, and then a couple... Uh, you know, maybe penalties or, you know, turnovers go a couple different ways in that Chiefs game, and that that's a very winnable game as well. I, am I wrong in saying that this team could easily be 4-0? and No, you're, you're absolutely right. There's always, you know, anytime you look back on the, the close wins or the close losses, there's always a play here or a play there that, that could have made all the difference. Uh, but it, it's been that way for each of the games, both good and bad. I mean, you could also argue that the Lions shouldn't have won the, the Cardinals game because they made mistakes late in the game that you didn't want to see a team make. You know, there's so many mistakes that happened in the Chargers game. I, I don't even think we'd have time to go over every single thing that went <laughs> wrong in that game. Uh, but there was moments where they could have lost that easily. And the same thing is true of the Eagles. Uh, but you're absolutely right, because they could have blown out any of those teams. Just a, a little bit of play here and there, things could have went a little bit differently. This team could be sitting undefeated right now and looking like one of the powerhouses in the NFL. Um, the, the Chiefs game, especially the reason that was so heartbreaking for Lions fans, is how tough of a team the Chiefs are and how, how closely the Lions played them. I mean, there was, there was so few, there was such a small margin of error in that game and the Lions kept it close the entire time. You know, we've seen the team collapse completely in games like that, where they make a mistake late in the game, and everybody just, you can see it on their faces. The body language is all terrible. They just throw their hands up, and you're just like, oh, well, now they're going to start giving up big yards and big points. Uh, and they started to do that. They started to give up some yardage and some points, but then they would rally, and they would come right back and, and respond to it. Um, but it's, it's a different atmosphere with the team than we've seen in some time. So I got to ask you this, Re- records aside, you're, again, I know it's it's 2-1-1, one, one, but just simply based on the play on the field, and I know it's only a quarter of the season, you guys are at one less game because of the bye week, but uh, a quarter of the way in, does this feel like a team that's better, worse, or about the same as they were a season ago? Oh, they feel way better than last year, way better. Um, on, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, they're 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 exciting. They, this this team was so boring last year, both on offense and defense. They had no real identity other than just being a slow team. Not, nothing that they did was fast or heavy or high paced. Everything was just real methodical, real you know chunkier, 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 both in offense and defense. And it just wasn't a very exciting team. And then they come in this year, and Daryl Bevel, who's not new, Daryl Bevel's been around for a while, 
but they come in and he's slinging it all over the place. He's finding ways to to get the ball downfield, to force it downfield, and Stafford's all about that kind of play. So it, it's one of those situations where on the offensive side of the ball, the personnel is just lining up perfectly with the scheme, uh, and they're doing a lot of really cool stuff with it. And then on defense, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into the defense too, but it's the same type of thing where they're – they're doing some of the things, same things they did last year, but there's more purpose to it. They still don't have a very good pass rush, but a lot of it's schematic. It's, a lot of it is rushing three and not trying to send, you know, seven, eight pass rushers, just sending three, three, maybe four guys. You know, it's it's really weird to look at a defense and think that rushing four is blitzing. You know, sure. And is this a is this a situation where they're better due to new personnel? Is it that they're clicking a little bit more in Matt Patricia's second season? Uh, what what's kind of been the big differentiator between them playing better football this this second year in Matt Patricia's uh, tenure? It's a little bit of both, but I feel a lot more of it has to do with with both the scheme changing on offense and with personnel just starting to click. Uh, you know, they, on the offensive side of the ball, they only really added the tight ends. They overhauled the whole tight end position. Uh, and then they changed one person on the offensive line. And that, that's really all they did changing-wise. You know, Danny Amendola is kind of a, a wash from a scheme standpoint from Golden Tate and whatever they had after Golden Tate kind of evens itself out, and then you get Danny Amendola, right? Sure. Um, Personnel-wise, there hasn't really been that much of a difference. But the scheme, everybody's just buying into it, and everybody's playing a lot better. Um, and, and that, I think, plays into it a lot more than the, the few personnel changes that they've had. Yeah, it's amazing what can happen when your players start playing better. <laughs> you start getting right. a little bit better results. So i got to ask you, uh, you know, they had Kyler Murray week one as his first game, but in the last four games, including this one coming up, they will have gone Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, and now Aaron Rodgers. That's not exactly an easy gauntlet to run through. They've done pretty good defensively in those first three matchups. I know Mahomes and that Chiefs offense eventually put up 34 points, but through ma- the majority of that day, they, they, they didn't necessarily win that battle, but I think there were a lot of positive takeaways. Obviously, you could speak to that better than I could, but they've, they've seemingly done a fairly decent job against some pretty tough quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, and they just, they've just they changed how they're approaching each quarterback week to week, each offense week to week, uh, which is something that we didn't get with Jim Caldwell. We didn't get that with Jim Schwartz, even, even though he was a defensive guy. You know, the, the idea that you can change your defense to, to adjust to the kind of people you're playing against isn't new or marvel, but it's not something the Lions have been very good at in the past. Um, but you, you saw it with, with uh, Patrick Mahomes this week when he played against the, the Colts. You know, they, they did very similar things that the Lions did the previous week where they forced him to man up, and they just, they just said, hey, have your guys beat our guys. And they were able to win that way. They didn't try to confuse them. They didn't try to throw, you know, any complex looks at them. They just said, hey, you've got to beat our guys. We're, we're not going to even rush you all that much. You just have to have your guys beat our guys, and you're going to have to throw past us. Um, they were able to make it work. We did it, we did it for almost 60 minutes, but not, not quite 60, which is why the Lions ended up losing that one. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's not easy. I don't think any Lions fan expected them to be sitting at, at you know, 2-1-1 one, and one right now. A lot of fans were looking at the possibility of 0-4 coming into the season. You know, it's, it's not good to have that kind of outlook, and then this kind of, of actual, you know, results is a lot different than people expected. Yeah, they've definitely played some good football, put a lot of good stuff on tape. i got to ask you this. So the Lions, of course, are coming off a bye after a tough loss to the Chiefs. 
Having a bye this early in the season probably isn't a great thing in the long run, but they had that tough loss to Kansas City, then a long bye week. Now they go to Green Bay. Is this bye a good thing at this time? Is it an advantage against Green Bay? Is it a disadvantage because they've had a longer hangover after that loss against the Chiefs? How do, how do you guys kind of view that of, of, of this Lions team coming off a of bye week and going into Green Bay? You know, early bye weeks are never good. Nobody wants an early bye week, and, and people don't really want those really late ones either. Everybody kind of wants the ones in the middle. Uh, but the Lions had some injury issues the past couple of weeks, and I think the bye just happened to fall in a good spot for those. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had a pretty bad concussion in the last game, but he's back and he'll be playing against Green Bay. Um, they lost Ashawn Robinson to injury. Mike Daniels went down with injury. Uh, Deshaun Hand has been out since training camp with injury. Um, I believe Ashawn Robinson is going to be back. I don't. I don't think Daniels is, and I know Hand is there. They downgraded him to out today. He's still got an, at least another week before he gets back. Um, but it fell at a good time for a lot of guys that were dinged up, and I think it, it helps prevent those guys that could have played through it from maybe getting a more serious injury. Um, and it helps the guys that had the less serious injuries be able to heal themselves and get ready for the game. Well, like the true pro that you are, uh, you kind of answered a lot of my next question for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mike Daniels and Imani Arurier, I'm probably butchering <laughs> that, but both of those players, I believe, are listed as out, as you mentioned. Uh, Deshaun Hand uh, gets uh, listed as out today. TJ Hawkinson was listed as questionable, questionable, but he was a full participant in practice and, as you mentioned, uh, very likely to play against Green Bay. The other ones listed were Danny Amendola, Quandre Diggs, Ashawn Robinson, and Darius Slay, all listed as questionable but all were limited participants in practice. Besides the known ones that are out, Daniels, Arurier, and uh, Deshaun Hand, are there any of these other players that are maybe potential non-game-time uh, you know, decisions or potential players that may not play? I'd be pretty surprised if Darius Slay and Danny Amendola didn't play. Uh, Darius Slay was pretty – he didn't play in the last game against the Chiefs, but he was already pretty close to coming back even before then. It was a game-time decision at the Chiefs, and this is two weeks later now. So I'm pretty sure that he's going to be back. Um, Danny Amendola's injury didn't seem like it was that serious. I think he had a chest injury or shoulder injury. He fell fell pretty pretty hard on one of his catches. Um, Quandary Diggs, I don't I don't really know too much about what his injury situation is. So I guess that one could kind of, kind of go either way. But I would bet that that Slay and Amendola are back and probably not even limited that much. With Deshaun Hand and Mike Daniels both being out, does this limit the Lions' defensive interior? I know they still have Trey Flowers. I know they still have Snacks Harrison. Uh, they have plenty of depth on that front seven. But uh, does this limit them in any way, or is there any cause for concern there for the Lions? Yeah, having Hand out has been uh, – it's hurt a lot because I don't think a lot of people outside of the Lions really understand how good Deshaun Hand was last year. He was the, the Lions' second-best uh, defensive lineman and probably the third best defensive player on that team um, as a rookie, as a, as a fourth round rookie. Um, he was fantastic in every sense of the word last year. So losing him to injury early in the year really sucked. Um, Mike Daniels plays a lot of the same role, so losing him as well puts us now three deep at a position. Uh, they don't really have anybody that can do the kind of interior rushing that those two do. They have a lot of run-stuffing guys. You know, you mentioned Snacks Harrison. Ashawn Robinson is primarily a run-stuffing type guy. You know, they have a lot of guys that can keep you from running, but they don't have a lot of guys that can that can penetrate and get after the quarterback on the interior, which forces them to use their linebackers to, to blitz a little bit more. Um, they have to do some stunts with the guys like Trey Flowers. Um, 
Devon Kennard's their only real outside edge guy that they have. So there's they're limited in what they can do from a pass rushing perspective with both of those guys out. Um, they've covered a lot of that up with scheme, as I mentioned before, by, by not rushing very many and having the secondary that's able to cover for, for not having that kind of rush. So I think you're going to see more of that. <clears throat> I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of, of you know, like rushing for and trying to get that interior pressure with the defensive lineman. It's probably going to be containment and sealing off the runs, and that's what the defensive line is going to focus on. Yeah, I think this could end up being a really intriguing matchup in that regards because I think you guys still have, the like you mentioned, the run stuffers in the middle. I think, you know, Flowers and Ashawn Robinson and Snacks Harrison, that, that front is still going to be very tough to run on, of course. And then, as you mentioned, if, if Green Bay gets into some of these third and longs, on, from a pass rushing standpoint, the Packers' pass blocking has been phenomenal all year. You're missing some of your interior rushers. And I have a feeling, as you mentioned, that Detroit might have to send a few more players to try to get home. But Green Bay, no Devontae Adams, no real major weapon that Detroit has to worry about. And Detroit has those corners that can match up very well with even good receiving cores, much less a receiving core that's uh, void of its top weapon overall. So you could see a lot of blitzes, I think, against Aaron Rodgers to try to get that pressure home. And it's going to be up, you know, to guys like Geronimo Allison, Mark Valdez Scantling, uh, you know, and whoever else they throw out there, potentially, you know, using Jimmy Graham a little bit more over the middle to try to win some of those one-on-one matchups against Justin Coleman and Darius Slay and that Lions pass defense, which again, as you mentioned, has the ability to be a really good coverage group. Oh yeah, it's been it's been insane watching some of these guys play coverage. Justin Coleman is more than living up to his contract right now. You know, as as good as he is as a nickel, he might be a top five corner over the last four weeks. I'm not I'm not going to throw him and say, oh, he's a, the top five corner in the NFL right now. Over the last five weeks, he pretty much has been. He's been totally shut down in the slot. He's very difficult to throw against. And then Darius Slay is, is himself. <laughs> uh, but on the other side, you have Rashawn Melvin, who's been playing really well. Um, they have Mike Ford as their their primary depth guy. He came in when Darius Slay was out against the Chiefs, and it was barely noticeable that he was in there. So they've got a really strong coverage group. When when I first saw the matchup, a lot of people were asking, are they going to do the same thing to the Aaron Rodgers that they did to Patrick Mahomes, where they manned up and tried to let you know let him, their guys beat our guys? And I said no. I didn't think that was likely. I thought just like you were that they were probably going to try to blitz a little bit more to get a little bit of pressure. Um, but with Devontae Adams out, I wonder if they don't do the same thing that they did to, to Patrick Mahomes and just try to man up and see if Aaron Rodgers can beat him. You know, play a little bit of contain to keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket and then let, let your cornerbacks beat those guys. Um, I'm not sure which route they're going to go, one, one or the other. Maybe they'll switch it up if one works and the other one doesn't. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm torn as to which, which approach they're going to take. And I think the the good thing for the Lions, the bad thing for the Packers, is is as we've talked about, the Lions have faced some of these quarterbacks. They've put kind of the playbook together on what they can do and and how to do it. Now they just have to kind of copy and paste a little bit and use some of the things that they've used against Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz and Patrick Mahomes and try to use that against Aaron Rodgers again without their top weapon in Devontae Adams. So I think uh, I think Detroit has a little bit of an edge there, but that'll be an interesting one. Uh, Green Bay went all run, you know, and all Aaron Jones without Devontae Adams last. 
last week. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys do not have the same level of interior run defenders that the Detroit Lions do, so that could be uh, something that's worth keeping an eye on, and I think that matchup is really going to be a key to this game. Uh, for Green Bay, just kind of going back to the injuries for a moment, uh, Tony Brown listed as doubtful. Devontae Adams, Darnell Savage, and Robert Tanyan all officially out for the game. Matub did a great job on our podcast yesterday breaking down those injuries. I just wanted to mention them briefly, and I do want to mention as well, of course, I am a Packers fan, and of course, I want the Packers to win every week, but I'm also a football fan, and I love matchups against top players, and I'm just really bummed that we don't get to see a Darius Slay-Devontae Adams matchup with both of them playing so incredibly well. I know uh, Slay's been a little bit banged up. Of course, Adams isn't playing, but that's just one of those matchups that is worth the, the price of admission just in and of itself with the, the caliber of players those two players are. Oh, yeah, man. And Devontae Adams has been a tough, tough match for Darius Slay, so it's always fun to watch when you have a guy that's at the top of his game playing a guy that he struggles against. Um, I, that might be too too harsh of a word to say he struggles against him, but it's not it's not his easiest matchup. Devontae Adams is very physical, and Darius Slay doesn't necessarily like the guys that are that kind of physical. So it is a great matchup. I wish that we would have got to see it. Um, yeah. But we're we're going to be able to see Kenny Clark still playing, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Kenny Clark will be in there, and that was one of my key matchups. I'm, I'm curious some of your key matchups in this game. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be my favorite one to watch is Kenny Clark versus Frank Ragnow. You know, Frank Ragnow right now is rated as, as pro football focus as number one center. Um, when he was drafted, that was the expectation that he was going to be that guy on the interior, and he's playing phenomenally. So I, I, I really want to see an, a, an interior rusher with the, the, the caliber of Kenny Clark taking on Ragnow right now. He hasn't had the toughest of matchups. I mean, he had Fletcher Cox. So it's not it's not like he's had an easy time either, um, but I think Kenny or uh, Fletcher Cox I think primarily faced off against Graham Glasgow um, when they were playing against the Eagles. But uh, I really want to see Frank Ragnow taken taken on a guy like that and get those you know those they're not the most exciting matchups to watch, but it is it is a lot of fun to go back and watch the big guys beat the crap out of each other. No, you you took the words right out of my mouth. That was number one on my list as well was Frank Ragnow versus uh, Kenny Clark. And I think if if you go back the last couple weeks, I'm going to actually go back even before then. Kenny Clark has for years, you know, for his entirety of his career basically, been been dominant in the in the trenches against anyone and in all comers, anyone that he's faced. He's been fantastic. And the last two weeks, he has not had easy matchups by any stretch of the imagination. He had uh, Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks in Philadelphia. And then he had uh, Travis Frederick and Zach Martin in Dallas. And for the first time in maybe ever, uh, for back-to-back weeks, he got beat up pretty good. You know, he he lost those matchups in both weeks. And now, uh, in a game where I think it's so incredibly important for the Packers that they keep Detroit as one-dimensional as possible and try to limit on Johnson and that running attack, because uh, if, if they can keep, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford and company and long down in distances and force them to pass and Green Bay can get some of their sub-package defense in and some of Mike Pettin's blitz packages, that's advantage Green Bay. So I think those matchups up front and on early downs is going to be so important. And now he has another tough matchup. Just as you mentioned, Frank Ragnow is playing fantastic football, and it's one-on-one. I think it's going to be a lot of one-on-ones in the interior of that uh, line. And I, I think if they can uh, create some running lanes like like Philly and Dallas did against Kenny Clark, that is a huge advantage to Detroit. So this is this is a monster matchup, and I think one that, again, is, is almost worth the price of admission because those are two – absolute junkyard dogs in the middle of the line. 
Oh, yeah, and it's, it's kind of crazy watching this rushing attack with the Lions because the, the, all three of the interior guys, you have Joe Dahl on the left side, Ragnall on the middle, and then Graham Glasgow on the right. Those three guys have played ridiculous football, both pass and run blocking. But the running game wasn't getting going because, and I'm sure you've, you've watched enough tape to know when, when you see these types of frustrating games, but one guy, misses, one guy misses their assignment, and the whole play is blown up. It doesn't matter how great the, the other four guys are blocking. If one guy makes a mistake, it's all blown up. And the Lions had just a, a frustrating run the last four weeks uh, up until last week. Last week wasn't too big, of, or last game, rather. It wasn't, wasn't too bad. Uh, but the first couple of games, they would have, you know, just monsters blocking up front, and then one of the tackles would miss, and they would get blown up in the backfield. Or the guards would blow up, and the tackles would keep their assignments, but the fullback would miss his, and then they would get blown up on a blitz or something. And it's, just, it's frustrating to see most of the line just terrorizing people, and they still not have a run game because somebody made a mistake. And uh, it's one of those things where you, you just feel like it's about to break out, right? It's, it, they, they just need to get everything together, get everything clicking, everything running on full cylinders, and they'll, they'll blow up. Um, but it, it's been that way for weeks, that the Lions are just on the verge of it, just about to break out. Um, and, and hopefully it will be this week. <laughs> And, and for Green Bay's sake, obviously, hopefully it's not. But uh, no, it, it's it, people ask me about that all the time when I'm, I'm going through my grades and grading the Packers each week. Is you know sometimes uh, uh, the offensive line from a run blocking standpoint, uh, they'll have almost no rushing yards, but some of the guys will have positive grades. And and it's crazy how you can have you know four of the offensive linemen, two of the tight ends, a fullback, and a running back all grade positively on the play, and it's set up to be a really big run. Uh, but if all of a sudden one one of the offensive linemen completely misses their assignment or gets completely beat one-on-one, it's a tackle for a loss. So you're, you're going through, I'm great going through, and grading each of these guys, and it's positive, 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 positive. And then the other guy is a fairly decent negative because he's the one that kind of lost the play. So on, and on the net, it looks like a positive play, uh, but in, in actuality it was a negative five-yard run because one guy missed their assignment. And I think that's why uh, teams – uh, are going so past heavy, and I think that's why the analytics show that it, you know consistently running the football isn't necessarily always the best game plan, is because it really does take so many things to go right, and just one small missed assignment or block, and everything's done, no matter what everyone else is doing on the play. So uh, I'm 100% with you, and uh, for Detroit, like you said, if they can get things going this week and keep carrying on Johnson uh, running up tight or running up, uh, you know running clean, I should say, and finding those holes. Uh, it's just going to be a really tough matchup for Green Bay if they can't keep Detroit one-dimensional. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's not just carry-on. Carry-on's their grinder, right? He's the guy that's going to get most of the yardage, most of the carries. Uh, but they've been mixing in Ty Johnson, their sixth-round rookie, and he hasn't done a whole lot the past few weeks. But if you go back to week one, you know, all he needs is one hole. He's extremely fast. I think he ran a 4-4 flat coming out. He's very, very fast. And when you have a guy like that and he's got decent enough vision, all they got to do is get open one time. And with the way the blockers are run, are, are run blocking, they might have a play where that's, a, that's what they do and you have that big run. Uh, and then on top of that, you have J.D. McKissick, who's coming in, and he's a gimmick, he's a gimmick guy. He's a, a utility player. He does all the, the, you know, whatever, the end arounds and the, the different screens and those type of things. But one thing to watch with him is if, if he's on the field, there's a pretty fair chance that the ball's going to go to him. That's, that's something you're going to want to pay attention to whenever he's on the field. Is that, And I'm, I'm surprised teams haven't keyed into it as much. But uh, when he comes in, it's usually because they have something for him to go do. 
but he's done really well, and it's it's going to be a fun one to watch if the Lions can actually get something going. I can't remember. Was McKissick a claim from Seattle, or did you guys trade for him? I think it was a claim. Yeah, I thought so, too. I was surprised. I wasn't necessarily surprised that Seattle let him go because of their depth at the running back position, but I was surprised that there wasn't a team that was interested in giving a you know a throwaway seventh for him. Just in today's you know day and age, if you have a guy like that who can run the football, he can be a receiver, he can do a little bit of everything, be that gadget guy, um, I was very surprised that there wasn't any demand for him whatsoever save for a waiver claim. And I think Detroit got a, a very nice piece. He's never going to be probably the guy uh, but a very nice piece in J.D. McKissick, and he's, he's put some good good tape out there so far. Oh yeah, it's 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 been a very nice, pleasant surprise how he's played so far. Yeah, you know, we've had we've had years where our gimmick stuff just never worked, <laughs> and part of that was just because our offensive coordinator was terrible, and then he was replaced with another terrible guy. Um, but it was also just because the guys they had couldn't do it. They they didn't have the speed to be able to pull something off. I, they had Theo Riddick for years where Riddick could do all kinds of really nice stuff in the passing game, but they would try to do the gimmicky stuff with him, and he couldn't really do anything because he wasn't a rushing threat. You know, McKissick offers both of those things. He can catch and he can run. He runs good enough routes that you can do a bunch of interesting stuff with him, and he's adept enough as a runner that you can do some of those gimmick plays with him, and he can actually get positive yardage out of it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, and it's, again, like you said, somebody that Green Bay's going to have to keep an eye on when he's in the game. Uh, any other matchups that you were kind of keen on at all? Um, you know, <laughs> we've had a, a lot of issue with the linebackers in the last few years, and with uh, Jared Davis specifically. Jared Davis has struggled. He's a, he's a was a first-round pick back in 2017, um, and he's struggled. He's He's been up and he's been down, uh, but coverage has never been a strong suit of his. And that's going up against a team that actually has a viable tight end as a threat. That can be a problem when you have a guy that can't cover very well. So they've used him a lot as a blitzer and as a spy, and he's very good at at, at least one of those things. He's a good blitzer, not not the greatest spy. But uh, he's, he's a liability in coverage for the most part. So what they would do is they would pull in uh, Jalen Reeves-Maven and have him come in for some of those coverage plays. But Reeves-Maven has had, like, no snaps the last two weeks. Once once Jared Davis came back healthy, they, they dialed his, his playtime down to almost nothing. So the team isn't pulling in the guy that they expect to do coverage stuff to do that. And they're relying on Jared Davis and Jelani Tavai and uh, Christian Jones to do all that coverage on their own or have the safeties do it. Um, and with with mixed results, you know, you, you, you go up against guys like Ertz, and he's not an easy cover. And they were able to do it for most of the game, but eventually he's going to eat. So that's going to be a concern is if they can't keep those guys bottled up with what they have. Yeah, it's certainly a matchup that Green Bay will probably try to exploit. Uh, Jimmy Graham mostly been a little bit of a disappointment in Green Bay. Uh, maybe they can get some matchups there. He's put uh, two decent weeks back-to-back, uh, certainly playing better than what he had uh, in the prior weeks before that. But uh, that, that could be a matchup that Green Bay goes to, again, especially with Devontae Adams out of the game. Uh, as we look at Detroit, one of the things I wanted to touch base on with you, this is obviously a division team, a team that uh, Green Bay faces twice every year, and we're always interested in uh, 
how some of the younger players are performing. I guess I kind of want to ask you, you know, this was a, a pretty big rookie class in, in, you know, importance with having a top 10 pick and everything like that. Of course, TJ Hawkinson, Jelani Tavai, Will Harris, uh, the first three picks. I know Austin Bryant, I believe, is on IR. Uh, but I, I'm just kind of curious, how have these rookies performed so far? You know, how are things looking? Is this a team that's kind of on the up and up? Uh, and just kind of your, your overall takeaways from this draft class so far. You know, TJ Hawkinson has been as advertised. He came out his first game and had the, the best rookie or rookie debut of any tight end ever in his first game against the Cardinals. So obviously a great start. <laughs> uh, the next two games, he pretty much fell off the map. His blocking wasn't there. He wasn't getting open. He wasn't catching the passes that were thrown to him. He struggled through his second and third game. And then he came back against the Chiefs, and he was playing phenomenally again. He's right back up to his blocking. And then, of course, he had that unfortunate injury, and he's been out. Um, but it's been up really high highs and really low lows so far with him. Um, as long as they keep him engaged and keep him working in with the offense, I think that you're going to see some more of those highs. He, he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that gets in his, his own head the way that Eric Ebron did when he was in Detroit and Brandon Pettigrew before him, the Lions' last couple first-round tight ends. Um, Hawkinson seems to be a lot more uh, focused when he's dur- in during the game trying to keep everything you know in front of him. Um, Jelani Tavai has not... He hasn't had any, like, standout traits, right? It's it's not a negative against him. There's nothing that I can point to and say, oh, this is a thing that he really stinks at. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's nothing that he's doing really well at. So nothing really well, nothing really bad. He's just kind of out there. And he's holding his own. He's he's playing fine. But that's just it. It's just fine, right? <laughs> it's just okay. Sure. So you, you want that. And then Will, Will Harris is not doing a whole lot. They didn't bring him in to start right away. He's, he's kind of going to uh, learn behind Quandre Diggs. Um, his tackling has been fantastic, and that was one of my biggest concerns with him coming out was how, how well he tackled. He's got a lot of uh, turf missile problems when he was in college. You know, all, all diving, all shoulders, not a whole lot of arm <laughs> work going on. Um, but it helps that Tracy Walker and Quandary Diggs have played so well in that secondary that they haven't had to rely on their rookie third-round pick to do a whole lot. Uh, you mentioned Austin Bryant's on IR, um, and then uh, I mentioned Ty Johnson already as, as you know, it's been been a lot of a lot of struggles as a rookie because he's 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 just not a, a leading rusher type of guy. Uh, but they're they're trying to make use of that speed, and it it just feels like he's he's an inch away from making a big play. Sure. No, that makes sense. It sounds like it's a, a pretty uh, solid draft class so far. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I know, is a, a player that a lot of Packer fans were hoping was going to fall to them at some point in the draft. Obviously, didn't end up happening that way. And it's, it's probably always worth noting as well that, that tight ends usually take a little bit more time. Obviously, it didn't take him any time in that, that first right. game, but uh, to put everything together, it's a, it's a tough position to come in and play right away. And it sounds like Hawkinson overall has done a pretty good job of that. So uh, that's definitely a matchup and a player that Packer fans are going to be keeping an eye on for sure. Um, I'm curious as to the, your overall Lions MVPs on offense and defense so far. Again, I know we're a quarter of the way through for the Lions, but who are the players, maybe one on offense, one on defense, that have really stood out and, and maybe a, a player or two that the Packers are going to really have to keep an eye on and fans are going to have to keep an eye on uh, t- on Monday night? So I'm not going to cheat and say Stafford. You know, <laughs> I, I don't like to do that unless they're they're playing out of their mind like Mahomes last year. You know, I'm, I'm not going to cheat. So uh, I already mentioned Frank Ragnow. He's the guy I would probably give it to if we hadn't already talked about him at length. So I'm going to go with Kenny Galladay. Uh, Galladay has always been kind of a top 20 guy and the lower end of that top 20, which is not bad. You, 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 know, you want to have a starting 
a worthy starter at receiver. Uh, but the Lions are really keeping him engaged in this offense, and he's a really tough cover. Uh, I mentioned before about how physical Devontae Adams can get. Kenny Galladay is the same way. He's really big, very, very physical, uh, and his hands are sick. Uh, he's got really good sideline awareness, really good uh, awareness of where those lines are and where he has to be. Um, he's a really tough cover. So I would probably put Kenny Galladay on there only because I'm not going to cheat and pick Stafford, and we already talked about Ragnow. Um, on defense, it's a really easy one, Justin Coleman. Uh, I already mentioned that Justin Coleman is playing out of his mind uh, in the slot. He is, it's, it's really ridiculous watching how poorly our corners fared outside of Darius Slay last year and then seeing a guy like Justin Coleman step in and just light up everybody that he's covered. Uh, and it's even more funny because training camp, he looked awful. Like He, he looked like a complete bust during training camp in the free, preseason, and then he comes out and just balls out of his mind the last four games. So he's, he's been a lot of fun to watch, but that's an easy one for me on defense. Yeah, and that's that's one that I struck out on hard when Detroit signed him uh, to a, a pretty massive deal. I, I you know my initial reaction was, hey, if if Detroit wants to give a ton of money to mediocre players, I'm 100% fine with that. And uh, yeah, that's been just a tad bit wrong so far because, like you said, he's been playing out of his mind and just really been fantastic. Not only as a nickel guy, but as a corner in general, uh, just been doing everything. He of course had the the play last week where he punched the ball in the end zone, had the forced fumble, just a really fantastic player through the first four weeks of the season for uh, for Justin Coleman. Yeah, it's it's nuts watching guys like that play, man. He's, he's, his awareness of where the ball is and where he needs to be and what he needs to do on every play, it's it's crazy watching a guy like that because you never – I mean, we've, we've seen him play. Like you mentioned, a lot of people thought of him as more of a mediocre talent. He didn't play like this at his previous stops. And it seems like the game slowed down for him just a little bit too so far, which uh, definitely helps in the process and him becoming a better player. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on this. The Lions will win the game if, and I know, of course, we could always go, you know, score more points or get more turnovers. You know, those are some of the low-hanging fruit always. But what's really the key to this victory and what will, you know, make it so that the Lions would win this game? The Lions are going to win this if they're they're – Players who are playing well continue to play well in this one. If, if the guys that are playing well continue to play how they have the last four weeks or four games that they've played, I think the Lions have a really good shot of winning this. I already mentioned Matthew Stafford, Frank Ragnow. You mentioned Carrion Johnson. You know, the guys on defense with Justin Coleman playing so well. Uh, Trey Flowers is starting to get better the further removed from his injury he gets. Um, all, all these guys that have been playing well or improving, if they continue to do that, the Lions should win this. And it might even be, I, I want to stay comfortable, but the Lions have been within a score in every single game this year. So um, I, I, it could be a very easy game for the Lions as long as everybody continues to do their job well if they, that's what they've been doing so far. And again, I know we could say, well, it's the opposite. If their players, you know, play poorly, you know, they're not going to win. But uh, if the Lions will lose this game if... And it's kind of the same thing, because the, the Lions players who have been playing poorly, if they continue to, this is going to be a problem. Uh, we've mentioned Snacks Harrison a couple of times already, and he is a very good player. And he's he's been, I think it was like five out of the last six seasons, he was an uh, 89 or higher by Pro Football Focus's ratings, and easily the top nose tackle in the NFL as far as stuffing the run um, for the last six or seven years. So he's a fantastic player and always has been. But... He has been horrible through the first four games of the season. And it's really hard to watch, knowing the player that he is and the player that he can be, and then seeing how he's played these last couple of weeks. And 
you, he has enough of a history that you're not going to sit here and go, well, he just sucks now. That's, he's just a bad player now. But if he comes in against the Packers, coming off the bye and having all that time to, to get himself ready, if he comes in and plays the way that he has the first four weeks, the Lions are going to have a lot of problems. Uh, I mentioned Jared Davis not being able to cover very well. If he continues to play poorly, that's going to cause some problems in this game because it doesn't take a lot to get behind in the NFL. It only takes a couple of small mistakes to get far enough behind that you have to change your whole game plan, your whole plan to try to get back into the game. So the guys that are playing poorly right now really need to step up or at least get themselves to average to be able to stand a chance. And what's next? Would you say it was some sort of injury issue? Is it an effort issue? Is it just the play falling off? Is there been any anything that's kind of stood out with him with him struggling a little bit? He had an injury to start the season, and, and, and some of it was his con- contract, and and just he wasn't wasn't practicing. He didn't practice through the entirety of training camp and most of the preseason. Um, I think it was just knocking rust off. But we're you know this is the, the sixth week of the season. We've the rust has to be off by now. Yeah, that makes sense. And as we mentioned earlier, that the, the trenches are going to be huge in this. Um, I'm going to go with, you know, the Packers will win if they get big production out of their receivers. Uh, last week without Devontae Adams, they totaled four catches for, I think, under 60 yards, no touchdowns, and really were a complete non-factor, albeit in a uh, fairly impressive win against the Cowboys in Dallas. Uh, and uh, they just didn't have any answers. There was very little separation. MBS did have a potential big play down the field where uh, Rodgers underthrew him a little bit and uh, ended up being a pass interference. There were a couple things like that where there were plays that could have been hit, you know, some plays to be made, but just ultimately weren't uh, for a variety of different reasons. But overall, they were mostly a non-factor in that game. Uh, I think Detroit's going to have more success in shutting down uh, Aaron Jones in that running game, and I think they're going to focus on it more. Uh, So I think they're going to have to get production from their receivers, as we mentioned already, against a, a tough Detroit secondary. So I think that's a tough matchup, but if I think if they get big production out of their receivers, uh, Sands, Devontae, I think that's going to be a winning formula for them. And then I think they'll lose if they lose the battle in the trenches. Uh, again, I think if they if if they can't make Matthew Stafford and the Lions offense one-dimensional and they have to try to defend against everything, I think it could be a very Philadelphia-esque game uh, where you know Philly was able to constantly both mix in the run in the past. That's been an issue for Green Bay. Um, and then on the flip side, if they can't get Aaron Jones going and they get one-dimensional, that's going to be a tough matchup with the Packers receivers against those DBs. So uh, those are my two big ones. I, I like yours quite a bit as well, Kent. I think it's going to be a very close game. As you mentioned, uh, the the Lions have been in, within one score of every game. The Packers have played close games. So this has all the makings of a very close game. Uh, but I want to get your official prediction. Who's going to win and, and kind of what's the score going to be like? You know, I never really like predictions. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big math guy, so the the amount of variance involved makes me feel bad about giving any kind of a prediction. So everybody wants to come back and school you whether you're right or wrong. Um, I, I think it is going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down to probably three points. Um, I would say it's going to be a 2017 game, and I'll give it to my Lions. Yeah, I had it right around there. I think I was like, you know, 24-20, somewhere around there. I also think uh, the Lions may steal this one. Uh, Lions have won four straight games in this series. As I mentioned earlier, I think the Lions are not going to be intimidated by an Aaron Rodgers-led team. When, you know, A, they've they've won the recent matchups, and B, they're coming off those matchups against some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I just think that Green Bay might be due for a little bit of a letdown. And without Devontae Adams, that, that would have been the equalizer, I feel like, in this matchup where uh, they could have taken 
Washington, uh, you know, without the ability for the Detroit Lions to rush the passer, uh, maybe with just four guys, I think Detroit's going to have to send more. And if they send more, that leaves Devontae one-on-one. As you mentioned, that's a, a matchup with Darius Slay that he's gotten the best of at times. I think that could have been the equalizer without him. I think this becomes a much tougher matchup. So uh, I'm also going to lean Detroit here, although I am very much hoping that I am an idiot and have this one 100% wrong. So uh, let's hope that that's the case. I picked Dallas last week, so, uh, you know, who, who the heck knows? But I, I'm with you. You know, no pr- predictions are always destined to fail. So there's there's too much too much variance, too much variable there. So I'm with you. All right. So those are uh, some good predictions. Hopefully uh, they're wrong, but uh, some good predictions nonetheless. Um, I do want to get your take on the NFC North. So we saw the Vikings win today. Uh, they moved to 4-2. and two. The Packers currently at 4-1. and one. The Lions at 2-1-1. and one. The Bears are at 3-2. The Bears are in last place at 3-2 and two right now, which seems absolutely crazy. Your Lions are in a very interesting position where if they win, they're technically in first place. If they lose, they are in last place at 500, which, again, is totally crazy. Uh, what is your takeaway at the NFC North, and who's going who's gonna to ultimately win? this thing yeah it's crazy this this division is is playing out a lot differently than I think people anticipated a lot of people had you know the Bears at the top because of how dominant their defense was last year um and it's I'm gonna put it all on Trubisky he's hurt and that's why they're losing because Trubisky is out right Um, that's that's the reason why (laughs) no sarcasm at at all um, but the Vikings, the Vikings, I don't think anybody predicted that they were going to have as good of a record as they have based on how they've been playing for much of the season. Their, their offense has looked a hot mess outside of their rushing attack. It's, it's looked like just luck by rushing for the most part. Um, but their defense is starting to pick it back up. Um, I think that this, this division may have the best overall defense of any division in the league, and it might be a pretty wide margin when you really look at it. Um, the Packers came in. I'm going to brag about your your Packers a little bit because you got a bunch of my guys on there. Sure. Um, but the Packers' defense has been fantastic compared, not just to ex- expectations, but just in general. The, the the Packers' defense has looked really, really good. You know, Alexander is, is a stud. Darnell Savage is a stud. I'm glad that he's out. <laughs> I'm not going to show any remorse for it. I'm, I'm glad he's not going to be in. Um, but the, the defense looks really, really hot. And it looks sustainable because a lot of those guys are really young. I mean, Kenny Clark's still, like, what, 22? He's super he's young. He's right there, 23, 24. I think he's yeah. insanely young. It's crazy. 20, 24, he's been in the league four years. That's bonkers. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a really young, talented defense full of superb athletes. It's it's crazy to watch that defense, defense develop. Uh, the Lions are doing it a little bit more traditionally. They're going with uh, a lot of schematic, thematic and schematic elements uh, to keep their defense strong and to adjust to each defense that they're facing. The, the, the Vikings have lived off of that pass rush forever, and it looks like they're going to continue to do so. And then the Bears' defense is, is still looking strong, um, polar opposite of their offense. So as, as long as this team, can, this team, this division can continue to compete on, on the defensive side of the ball, this is, this is easily the toughest division to play against. I think anybody that comes into any one of these teams has to worry about losing even if they have a lot of flaws. You know, you look at the Bears' offense, and you know that you're, you've got a pretty easy time facing, facing those guys, but, you know, you, you can't look at that defense and think this is going to be an easy win, and I think that's the same for every team in this division. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think this is a, a division where every single game with every one of those teams is going to be 
a beat-down, drag-em-out brawl, and, and any team can win any of those games, and that, I think that makes it a fun, tough division. Um, I feel a little bit bad for the, what is it, AFC West that has to face all four of those teams every time, although uh, the AFC West not exactly a uh, a horrible division by any stretch. San Diego's uh, certainly have or LA, sorry, is having some... Uh, some troubles at the moment, and, and as we speak, they're down by 14 with about three minutes left here, so looks like they're going to have another loss. KC lost today. Raiders were on the bye, but uh, yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. I think this is one of the tougher divisions in football to, to predict, figure out who's going to win it, and uh, each and every one of those games, you know, Green Bay's 2-0 and so far, so that's a huge potential tiebreaker. If they can somehow get to 3-0 and uh, by beating Detroit uh, on Monday night, that would be huge, huge, huge for their potential opportunity uh, to win the division. They'd be the only team with only one loss, and they'd have a win against every single team in the division. So uh, that would be a huge, huge opportunity for them. On the flip side, again, Detroit wins. They move to first, and if they lose, they go to last. So it is a crazy division that could swing just about every single week. All right, Kent, any final thoughts before we get out of here today? No, because I already got to plug how good I think your guys' defense is. I I hate it, but I already got to plug that. You guys have a, a lot of really good talent on that defense. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch what the Packers are able to put together going forward with that that young and that talented of a defense, it, it, whether they're going to continue to build that way and you guys are going to start looking at a, a bit of a different team makeup than you're used to seeing, um, or if they're going to try to rebuild the offense and do something on the offensive side of the ball to have them keep in pace. Uh, it's a really interesting team to watch. I just I just wish you had better uniforms. Whoa, wow, we're going to end with four <laughs> uniforms. I can't, the I can't end uniforms. on a positive note on a division rival podcast. I suppose. I'll, I'll let it slide this one time. Kent, thank you so much. Where can we find your work and where can we follow you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at MathBomb. Uh, as you mentioned there at the beginning of the podcast, I run the relative athletic scores and do those throughout the year. Um, and that's mostly where you can find me is on Twitter. I, my, my work, my research is on relativeathleticscores.com if you want to go check that out. It's not updated as much as my Twitter account is. Uh, but again, at MathBomb, you can find me whenever you want to. I'm pretty uh, pretty available. Yeah, and I was definitely going to go and promote and tell you, everyone to go out and follow you, but if you're going to end with, you know, Packers, you know, bashing the uniforms, <laughs> I don't know if I can go out and do that. I'm just kidding. Of course, go out and follow uh, Kent on Twitter, at MathBomb, and of course, uh, again, you can find his reading at Pride of Detroit. Uh, he does fantastic work come draft time, again, with his RAS scores, and uh, anyone that follows me on Twitter will know pretty much any time the Packers pick up a practice squad guy or a free agent or anything, I'm immediately posting uh, Kent's RAS score. Uh, and in fact, usually if I if I miss it by about a half an hour, I've got people you know reacting to me on Twitter saying, "Hey, why well, haven't you posted uh, the the RAS scores yet?" So uh, those are always uh, super valuable, and especially when it comes to the Packers, who very much use uh, at least some athletic profile that seems to match very closely to those RAS scores. Fantastic, man! It's been a lot of fun. It has been a ton of fun. Thanks so much again for joining me. Greatly appreciate it. Make sure to listen in tomorrow as Matt, Dan, and Janelle give you their post-game coverage of the game. And thank you to everyone who listens to us every day. If you'd like to support the podcast, the link to do so is out on our Twitter page, at Packaday Podcast. If you can't support financially, please go out and rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We cannot thank you enough for being a proud supporter of our show. Uh, we do it for fun. We do it for the love of everything. Packers, and uh, we couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. Again, that does it for us today. For Kent Lee Platty, I'm Andy Herman. We'll see you back here tomorrow for an all-new Packaday podcast. But until next time, Time. Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.